1: I am Damian Bolwa, Director of News at the San Francisco Chronicle. Today on 5th and Mission, hospitals in Northern California's rural counties are being battered by the surge of the Delta variant. In August, at least seven counties, Amador, Del Norte, Humboldt, Lake, Mendocino, Shasta, and Tuolumne saw their highest rates of hospitalized COVID patients since April 2020. The primary reason? low vaccination rates in these communities. Things have gotten so bad that other treatments and surgeries are being postponed, some hospitals are transferring patients far away, and doctors and nurses are pleading with people to get their vaccination shots before it's too late. My guests are Chronicle reporter Shwanika Narayan, who has been taking stock of the crisis in these communities, and Dr. Stephanie Dittmer. She's a physician at Providence Redwood Memorial Hospital in Humboldt County, she's been right in the middle of it. First up, Shwanika Narayan. Shwanika, thanks for coming on today.
0: Thanks for having me.
1: Shwanika, we're about a year and a half now into this pandemic, and unfortunately, as you found, we're still seeing outbreaks of the virus that can overwhelm hospitals. I know you've been focused on rural counties in California outside the Bay Area. Tell us what's happening in these places now that the Delta variant is really spreading.
0: Yeah, well, COVID cases and hospitalizations are essentially breaking records in rural California. Um, Counties there are struggling as the Delta variant rips across, um, you know, straining already limited resources uh, in what seems to be mostly primarily vaccine hesitant communities. Um, we're seeing patients having to, to wait for beds, uh, these frustrated healthcare staff uh, on the brink of burnout. It's, it's a bad situation.
1: In some places, they don't even have enough beds anymore, right? They're even having to go so far as to sometimes transfer patients. And I think you mentioned turn down patients who have other kind of elective surgeries.
0: I can give Del Norte as an example. It's the sort of the northwesternmost part of uh, the state, bordering Oregon. Its population is around 28,000. They have one hospital serving the entire county. Um, there's about 23 positive. Uh, ICU patients uh, at the moment, and they have no beds, no additional ICU beds available. Um, so they're having to to turn, you know, to to seek out of county help uh, in in getting these patients. They've canceled all of their other kinds of elective surgeries, or heart surgeries, or, or anything like that. It's just not happening because the focus is so much having to be had on on COVID stuff.
1: And by the way, it is Del Norte, not Del Norte, right?
0: It's Del Norte. I learned the hard way.
1: (laughs) Okay, good, good. All right. So it's also kind of a bad time, right? I mean, the fire season is starting. The rural communities that you write about in California have been extremely hard hit in the last five years. And here comes another emergency. It seems like a a kind of a perfect storm in these places.
0: It is. I guess the wildfires have just sort of compounded this issue. Uh, People who may have respiratory illnesses, for example, or any other kind of underlying illnesses that can be exacerbated by these wildfires um, are sort of uh, at the crux of the situation with COVID as well.
1: All right. So let's get down to it. Uh, Why are COVID rates and hospitalizations more dire right now in these parts of the state as compared to, say, the inner Bay Area?
0: Well, um, I spoke to about eight doctors, mostly ER folks across uh, Del Norte, Humboldt and Mendocino counties. And across the board, they were saying that at least 95 percent of their patients are unvaccinated folks. So that seems to be a a big, big sort of surge or reason uh, about about why we're seeing a surge. Um, Delta obviously is also a lot more transmissible and more contagious. And then you have people who are choosing to not get vaccinated for whatever belief that they may have, uh, which just worsens the situation. That's unlike the Bay Area where vaccination rates are a lot higher and, and cases are
1: leveling out. And you said 95 percent. I mean, what a message about getting vaccinated.
0: Yeah. I mean, more than 100 physicians just last week signed this letter, uh, I think mostly from Del Norte, but Humboldt as well, literally pleading (laughs) with with their constituents and and like their patients and their residents uh, in, in the places they live at to just get vaccinated because people are really, really. Um, at their wit's end, uh, to be honest, especially the medical staff. Um, you know, they've the, the letter basically said, you know, they've trusted the, the, the doctor said, you guys have trusted us with all your other healthcare concerns. Why not trust us with this? please get vaccinated. They're literally begging people to get vaccinated.
1: From talking to these folks, what's the picture of the patients that they are seeing coming in? What And what is their status?
0: Well, the patients that are coming into these hospitals are mostly unvaccinated folks. Um, doctors are seeing a range in age, though. They seem... To be more younger folks this time around, uh, but they're saying you know um, there's nothing definitive about that. I think it might just be because Delta is a little bit more uh, contagious and transmissible uh, that that might be the case. Uh, but yeah, for for the most part, majority of the patients are mostly unvaccinated.
1: Okay, but perhaps younger people are together more. They're they are transmitting the the virus in close quarters.
0: Yeah, that could be um, a reason. Uh, you know, rural counties, for the most part, managed to to not have these cases. But I think we're seeing a lot more of this since the mid-June um, reopening, uh, where there was just a lot more gathering, I guess. And so, yeah, we're seeing younger people uh, who may have just wanted to be a little bit more, social. who wanted to be not as isolated
1: <laughs> or of social. Course. Right. We all do. We all do. Uh, okay, let's talk about the atmosphere in some of these places. It really comes through in your reporting. The Doctors and nurses and other healthcare workers talk about a lot of frustration and fatigue. I mean, it's been 18 months. How are they doing?
0: They're not doing too well. Um, a lot of them are really, really burnt out. Um, some have been sort of considering quitting the p- profession because they're at their wits' end. Um, a lot of them are just tired. We're 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 hearing from people who are saying, "I've had to, you know, pull several sort of all-nighters, all these shifts, uh, drive from this hospital to that hospital." because of overflow, uh, reasonings. Um, and a lot of them sort of feel like that this surge particularly, uh, was probably the surge that didn't need to be this way. Sure. Delta is, is very, very contagious and transmissible, and you're going to have, a, uh, you know, a lot of illnesses and health issues come with that, but it didn't have to be at this rate. Um, so they're just hoping that people get vaccinated.
1: In terms of the response, how are all these counties that you talked to and the state responding to this crisis, this new crisis?
0: Right. So a lot of the counties we're seeing are starting to enact their surge plans, which is essentially required by the state. Uh, and they're working with their local health care systems to develop um, I guess like alternate care sites, right? So like if there's a nursing facility that could be turned into an ICU unit, uh, they will do that. So we're starting to see a lot of more of these happen across the counties. Um, the state is helping out with that as well. Uh, they're also trying their best to um, staff a lot of these places. And and so going back to staffing, for example, Del Norte. Uh, when I was talking to the ER physician there, Doctor Sturds, you know, he was saying. Rural counties like that that are very remote and already have to deal with traveling physicians because of short staffing in general (laughs) are just at a whole other level with this surge. Um, So it's it's really bad for
1: them. Okay, so they've seen some issues that they've had to deal with in the past being a rural hospital, but they're really in a crisis and they're telling people, hey, we're on the front lines. We're seeing this. Something's got to change.
0: Yeah, they they are. They're they're literally crying out for help. That's what they're doing.
1: Shawanica, thanks for joining me.
0: Thanks for having me. Thanks, Damien.
1: Let's take a quick break when we come back. A conversation with a physician in Humboldt County who's experienced the surge of the Delta variant firsthand. We'll be right back on Fifth and Mission. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? a family medicine physician who works at Providence Redwood Memorial. That's a hospital in the Humboldt County town of Fortuna along Highway 101 and the Eel River. She's also the past president of the Humboldt Del Norte County Medical Society, a division of the California Medical Association. Dr. Dittmer, thank you so much for taking time out today to talk to us, how are you?
2: Thank you very much for having me.
1: Yeah, thanks for coming on. Can you tell us what day-to-day life is like right now at your hospital?
2: Right now, we are all trying to get through literally one hour to the next. We have quite a number of people that are coming down positive with the virus that are displaying anywhere from mild to moderate symptoms. But the reality is that the moderate to the severe symptoms of COVID have really taxed our resources. So we are struggling to take care of people who need to be in the hospital. People are having to wait a long time in the emergency rooms, um, and a lot of people are unfortunately waiting to be transferred out of the county to other places that may have space for them. So we are, we are seeing quite a bit of sadness and grief and a lot of our family members and community members that are struggling.
1: Now, how surprised are you? Earlier in the pandemic, there were obviously surges in a lot of places, But to have this now 18 months in, it has to be really despairing.
2: You know, it depends on your perspective. Um, As a scientist and a biologist, it's not surprising. We've been looking at pandemics and modeling them for a while, and we knew we we were going to run into this problem as we failed to be able to really vaccinate a good percentage of our population. Um, So it's not surprising, Um, for example, you know, I have yet to leave the county without it being on a strict business um, or emergent family need issue. Um, The the reality is, is that for those of us that are working in the field and are taking this very seriously, we've been limiting what we do um, intentionally because we know that what we do has impact on others and trying to balance out the needs of what the community needs us to do is kind of the similar delayed gratification that physicians have been doing for centuries. We don't really necessarily think about things as are we a surprised. We try to model, evaluate scientifically, consider and really sort of see what human behavior is doing. And when those things come together, this wasn't
1: a surprise. Do you feel like people understand in society what's happening at these hospitals really know the emergency?
2: No, no, I don't think that people understand how difficult it is to be taking care of people who are harming themselves and others because of disinformation and inordinate amount of bias and you know, I, I would say delusions, um, because it's close enough to the medical mm-hmm. world word that I use as my language of choice. Although I think in the late late public it doesn't make sense. A delusion, from my world, just to put it in a perspective, is something is a is a belief that is not founded in reality. Um, so, it's not something that has the connotation that's negative or positive, it's descriptive. So, I feel that the amount of disinformation and the credence to a lot of these solutions is really um, harming people themselves that have those and the people around them that are trying to take care of loved ones.
1: Do you think if people could get a close in view? of what you guys see every day, that that might change that?
2: I wish I could say that that would be the case, but I, I firmly do not believe it's the case. Um, we have, you know, tales from the front line, so to say, of people literally continuing to uh, spout these awful and, malfounded beliefs about giving people ivermectin for people who are hospitalized and sick in the intensive care unit. We just don't see a lot of behavioral change all the time in regards to seeing it frontline. I think people, um, when they create these frameworks of how to understand what's going on, if they create a framework, that doesn't have any space for the truth or the space for observation and critical thinking, then we end up in a, a world where it doesn't matter what we show them, it continues to just sort of reify their belief system. I do think that there are some people that can, be, can have their behaviors modified based on it, but I'm, I'm feeling that the overwhelming sort of gist is that people are just not getting it yet.
1: So what are the conversations like between doctors and patients? Because obviously in, in a situation like it, at your hospital, it, it's too late when someone comes in for COVID to get vaccinated. But But still, is there a... Is there a conversation that you're seeing broadly? between Yeah, doctors yeah one of
2: the biggest changes I feel that has occurred over the last several weeks has been the empowerment of our emergency room staff to be able to discuss vaccination with patients and in real time offer them a vaccine. Even if they're not presenting for COVID, um, we are trying to really make sure that the access to that tool is there. And the emergency room staff, nurses, physicians have been putting forth a concerted effort um, uh, to be able to make sure that people can um, get vaccinated. And that has been helpful in that regard. We have seen, um, you know, anecdotally our physicians telling us that, gosh, if I get when I sit down one-on-one with this person and we talk about it, people tend to get their vaccine. So that's been one of the mechanisms that we've been trying locally at our county medical society is really emphasizing individual physician discussion with their patients. It's the same message this California Medical Association has been trying to push and also to try to allow for individual private practices and smaller offices to be able to vaccinate um, patients because although there is an overwhelming distrust of this large sort of health industrial complex, the individual relationship that each one of us has with our patients is usually grounded in trust and and that that can be utilized. That can be utilized to help people stay safe and help them keep their families safe. A lot of our community members can't be vaccinated. They're under 12. You know, and we've gone back to school in person. And so what we've sort of seen over the last, you know, several months, uh, you know, has been the slow uptick of the number of, of young kiddos and the severity of their illnesses are becoming much more apparent as more children get infected across the states. So I'm hoping that some of these brief little inroads that we see into hope of these individual discussions might be helpful and I think that's the impetus behind the letter. This The letter really started with physicians in the community trying to give voice to their frustration of, we are not asking you to do anything that we are not doing ourselves.
1: Can you share what the discussion is like between doctors and someone who already has COVID who did not want to get vaccinated? Is there is there regret?
2: Yeah, sometimes there is a voice of regret, absolutely. Um, and that's been actually, we've had some good, pro- some publicity on that, which has been helpful to get that message out. Um, unfortunately, that's not the majority of what we feel. Um, we see and experience as physicians. Um, now, when I say unfortunately, what I mean is when we look at a physician, we need to consider them as human beings. And and so the moral injury that we sustain on the regular basis, given the amount of sort of uh, multiple interests that are constantly pulling on us and and different directions that we need to go in, um, it's unfortunate because sometimes that helps us as humans find that connection, find that individual one-on-one, you're a human being and I'm a human being and how do I help you be better? Um, Because when it's day after day and hour after hour, when you know that you're risking your family's safety or if you work in a nursing home and you're risking the safety of all those elderly people because of the work that you're forced to do that you see as preventable, then it feels really unfortunate to have somebody not recognize their role in this position Um, at the same time our medical ethics don't really allow us to stay in that space very long which is I think the toll that's been taking on the physicians in terms of this length of time you say you know are we surprised that it's been going on this long not surprised but it takes a toll it takes a significant toll on us
1: Yeah, how are people doing this long in? How are you doing? I mean, the healthcare community has been at this now, as you said, for it's gonna be two years soon.
2: Yeah, yeah, I mean, personally, I feel lucky to have surrounded myself with physicians and chosen family that um, are of like-mindedness. And so um, my ability to really sort of follow protocols that help keep me safe and my my patients safe um, is nice. Um, But I also know that trying to find the balance between working long hours and trying to make sure that the other sides of me as a human being are taken care of um, is a challenge when there's so much reading to do and there's so much learning and every day just like lay people feel that there's something new about COVID or there's something different. Well, That is indeed the case for us as physicians living through the pandemic. For those of us that are scientists, we have to keep reading every day and we constantly are trying to make sure that we know what we're doing and can do the best for people.
1: Stephanie, I want to ask you just about Fortuna and about Humboldt County. It's isolated. You know, there are issues with poverty. There are issues with equity. I mean, how have those uh, borne out at the hospital?
2: So what we're seeing is the same thing that people are seeing across the country, but in a more magnified way, is that people really don't necessarily always have access to the same resources given their socioeconomic background. And you also have quite a bit of a difference based on the inequities that occur over the course of someone's lifetime. When you are of a minority population, um, you really do not have the same um, access or treatment over the course of your lifetime. And that actually causes you to have certain illnesses that then cause you to have more risk for the coronavirus and other infections. So we oftentimes see data that reflects people getting COVID that have hypertension problems or more severe COVID that have diabetes. And we, and we see those correlations with, for example, our Latino community. Um, but the reality is, is that that's the toxic stress that the Latino community lives under in a rural environment where they're subjected to ongoing racism and discrimination in their work and in their community. So those kind of things bear out in ways that are extremely magnified and at higher risk in our kind of community.
1: And seen over and over, including in in the Delta variants push, you're going to see the same Inequities. Yeah. yes, and
2: our frontline workers across the board also are coming from the same from the same population.
1: All right. The last thing I want to ask you is for people perhaps that live in the Bay Area and love to travel to places like this and 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 enjoy the state. Is there any message for them right now as they look to the rural communities?
2: We've we've been really blessed in Humboldt County to live in an area where people like to vacation. It's something that I say in a lot of my recruitment efforts. Is I get to live where people vacation. I think one of the most important things is to realize that we are dependent on a, a certain level of income and travel into our area for tourism and for the film industry. However, I think the most important message that I would wanna say is to consider it your second home and do the things that you would be cautious to do at home when you're traveling. So wearing your mask and using proper sanitation techniques um, really, be, being careful about how you're socially distancing and being conscientious about the symptoms that you're having and accessing the testing resources that are in the area when you're traveling. Be cognizant of where you can get tested. Where can I get over-the-counter rapid antigen testing and where can I get tested with PCRs? Where, where should I ask for help if I start to run into problems? I feel that people delay asking for help when they're traveling and um, they usually get sicker and they try to attribute their minimal symptoms to other things that have to do with travel. So I would say be be careful about how you are evaluating your signs or symptoms when traveling to make sure that you can access the medical care that you need when you are doing that to not risk other people in the county. We've done a really good job at, at, at isolating for quite some time because we have the geographic, you know, rain, uh, redwood forest to do that for us. But as we've opened back up, um, you know, we have sort of seen these numbers increase.
1: All right, Stephanie Dittmer, thank you so much for joining me, and thank you to you and your colleagues for the work that you do. Thank you. To read Schwanaka Narayan's story on the crisis in California's rural counties, go to sfchronicle.com. Thanks to Schwanaka for joining me, also to Dr. Stephanie Dittmer for being a guest today. Thanks to Taya Francesca Price for producing this episode, and thank you for listening.